everyone's a sinner. We, we all know that, right? You know, Billy Graham's a sinner. The Pope's a sinner. Mother Teresa was a sinner. But, you know, we're all sinners. But deep down, don't we all think that some sinners are way, way worse than others? Right? There, there are some people that they're so bad that they're, they're willing to run over their grandmother to get what they want, right? They, they lie, they cheat, they steal, they exploit others. They, they seem to have no conscience, no sense of right and wrong, no sympathy or mercy for others, toward others. They're the folks who, you, when, you remember when Hurricane Harvey went through Texas. People were, they were in trouble. They were suffering. They lost everything. These were the folks who, exploiting people's misery, started selling cases of water for 99 bucks a case. Or they were selling a gallon of gas for 20 bucks. And who were they selling to? People in their community, their neighbors, exploiting their neighbors' misery. Or think about pharmaceutical companies like Purdue Pharmaceutical. This is a company that made OxyContin and their own internal research told them that this was a dangerous drug. It was highly addictive and they suppressed their own research and they pressed it out there. Why? Because they knew they were going to make billions on it. They made their billions, tens of billions, and tens of thousands of people have died over the last bunch of years because of companies like that. What do you think about people who do stuff like that? Who take advantage of others to get what they want? What do you think they deserve? What would you want to say to them if you bumped into them somewhere? What would you do if their fate was in your hands? We're in the fourth week of a series that we've entitled Lesser Known Characters of the New Testament. And today we'll be talking about a guy named Zacchaeus. And if you want to make a distinction between normal sinners and bad sinners, like worse sinners, Zacchaeus is one of the bad guys. We're going to be reading about him, talking about him today. It's in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, and it's on page 743 of your pew Bible. So turn with me there, if you would, please. 743. No, well, that's a different Bible, so Dave will help you find it. Got it? Okay. So Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. 
All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. In first century Israel, if you had a strong taste for making money and a conscience not so strong to make you squeamish about how you made that money, then Jericho was the place to be and, a, and tax collection was the business to be in. Jericho was on a major trade route. People were in and out of Jericho all the time. Jericho was also on the way to Jerusalem, so pilgrims coming, going toward Jerusalem would have to go through Jericho. They go through Jericho to get up and Jericho to come back down. Everyone, uh, beyond that, Herod's summer palace was there, so all kinds of stuff happening there. So everyone, now here's the thing, everyone who moved through Jericho, who came through Jericho, just even if they just wanted to walk, everyone who came through Jericho had to pay a tax. In addition, everything bought and sold in Jericho had a tax on it. So it didn't matter who you were or what you were doing, you were going to get taxed. And the people who figured out, who chose what the tax would be were the tax collectors. They bid with the Roman authorities to get the job. Often they bribed the Roman authorities to get the job. They would give Rome their cut, but then they could add whatever they wanted to it. So if the Romans said, we want 50 bucks, they could say, okay, we'll give you your cut. Then they can go tax people 200 bucks if they wanted. There was no one restricting what they could charge. And people paid. You know why? Because they had the Roman soldiers to back them up. So you paid or you had your legs broken. Everyone paid a tax. The tax collectors decided what the tax would be. So tax collection was an extortion racket. It was a business built on greed, corruption, bribery, and brutality. And in the top of the Jericho racket, the Jericho tax cartel was Zacchaeus. In Jericho, everyone knew Zacchaeus. And nobody, nobody liked him. Everybody knew he was corrupt, greedy, brutal, slimy. He was a thief. Everyone in Jericho knew this, and he knew it too. To everyone, Zacchaeus was the very definition of a sinner. Someone who was so far from God and anything good that in the eyes of all the people, he was irrevocably lost in his sins. 
He deserved hell. He deserved hell. A really, really bad, lost guy. But here's the thing. There was something going on in Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus hears that Jesus has entered into Jericho, he decides that he wants to see him, wants to see who Jesus is. We have no idea why. We don't know why. Maybe he's heard stories. He's probably heard a lot of stories about Jesus. Heard that Jesus has done miracles. Maybe he's heard about some of what Jesus has taught and said. Maybe heard about the speculation that Jesus was one of the great prophets. Maybe even that Jesus could be the long-promised Messiah of God. He's heard stuff. He's heard stuff about Jesus because Jesus is getting famous and is famous at this point. But somehow, in some way, what he hears sparks something in him. And it's enough to get Zacchaeus so curious that when he can't get close enough to see Jesus, he decides he's going to run ahead and then climb up a sycamore tree and wait for Jesus to pass by. Now, when when your career is built on fear, it's built on intimidation, it's built on brutality, then running ahead of a crowd and climbing up, up a tree isn't exactly the way, you know, to... Uh, it's not the look you want to go for. So that's an indication even there that there's something changing, something happening, something drawing Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus became a seeker. No one would have thought that Zacchaeus had much interest in spiritual things or any interest in spiritual things. He's a reminder that some of the people we know, who, there are some people we know who are secretly interested in Jesus, but we would never have expected them to be interested at all. I think a lot of folks thought that of me before I came out as a Christian. I had friends who were so shocked they, they didn't, they didn't know what to do. There are people looking for Jesus, whether we suspect it or not. They're looking for Jesus and they're hiding in their version of the sycamore tree looking. Sometimes they don't even know it's Jesus that they're looking for, but when they find Jesus or are found by him, they say, yes, this was what I was looking for. This was what I was longing for. This is who I was longing for. Sometimes you don't know what you want until you see it. That's true for a lot of people when they finally see Jesus. Now here's the thing. We don't know who's getting prepared by God to respond to Jesus. None of us know. It's possible that if we talk to our friends, even the ones who seem the most far away, the most hostile, it's possible if we talk to them, they would engage with us. If we invited them to church, they might come. So here's a question. 
Who has God put in your life so that you can help them see Jesus? What prevents you from assuming that everyone might be somebody who's been prepared by God to see Jesus? Anyway, Zegiz is up in his tree, hiding behind the leaves of the sycamore tree, and he's looking down, he's waiting for Jesus to come by, and Jesus comes by. Jesus gets to where Zacchaeus is, and when he gets there, he stops. And he looks up and says, come down, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Now, here's the thing. The crowd stops, too. When Jesus stops, the crowd stops. And when he looks up, they look up. And when Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, they're thinking in their heads, yes, yes, finally, finally, this crook is going to get what he deserves. Jesus is going to light him up. <laughs> He's going to light him up. And they're getting stoked just thinking about it. But then Jesus continues. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Today I must stay at your house. And their jaw drops. They are stunned. They are shocked. Because that's the very last thing they expected Jesus to say to this guy. They are stunned. They're shocked. And then they get angry and they start to talk to one another, talk inside their heads. They're having this, this conversation. What, what's going on here? We, we thought he was one of the good guys. We thought, we thought he was going to fight for us. We thought he was going to lead us. We never thought that Jesus would be one of those guys. Another bummed, just selling out the power. We never thought that. They can't make sense of what Jesus just said to Zacchaeus. And the only way they can make sense of it is he sold us out. There are two things many of us fail to understand. The first is that salvation is for sinners. It's for outcasts. It's for swindlers. It's for cheats. It's for outsiders. And Zacchaeus was all of those things. He was exactly the kind of person that Jesus was looking for. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And as we've been talking, Zacchaeus was really lost. Now, if, Zacchaeus, if Jesus came to seeking to save someone like Zacchaeus, then you've got to believe that he's willing and able to save any lost sinner, any lost sinner whatsoever, wherever. That's good news for us. And that's good news for the people that we know and love who are really far, really lost 
far from Jesus right now. No one is a hopeless case. No one is a hopeless case. No one is beyond the love of Jesus. Jesus has come to save even the most desperate, even the most despicable sinners. That's the first thing. Salvation is for sinners. The second thing is we are all outcasts and sinners. We all owe a debt to God that we cannot pay. We are all, in fact, complicit in murder, the murder of Jesus. Each of us as individuals, all of us together, made the death of Christ necessary. All sin is sin. All sinners need a Savior to save me and to save you. It was absolutely necessary for Jesus to go to the cross, to lay down his life, to die on the cross for us, to pay the debt that we owe that we cannot pay. Absolutely necessary. We have a part, all of us have a part in the crucifixion of Jesus. Thanks be to God that salvation is for sinners. So, Here's what we all need to know. Jesus welcomes sinners and he sits with them. He doesn't wait for people to get their act together and then come to him. He goes looking for them in the depths of their sin, the depths of our sin. He doesn't keep people at a distance. He reaches out to them. He doesn't reach out to people begrudgingly out of a sense of duty. No, he reaches out to people gladly out of extravagant love for them. That's what he did for Zacchaeus. Jesus sees things that other people don't see. He sees, he sees, people, he sees everyone as made in the image of God. Even Zacchaeus. He sees what Zacchaeus couldn't see. He sees what Zacchaeus could be, what each of us could be if we surrender to God's grace. Image of God, people with an eternal creational destiny. And he sees too that there's something open, something spiritually hungry in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, yes, has wealth and he has power and authority. But he doesn't have peace or rest or contentment. Zacchaeus has everything, but he has nothing that matters, and Jesus sees that. Now let me be clear again. Zacchaeus does deserve hell. But Jesus does what other people won't do. He doesn't give Zacchaeus what he deserves. He gives Zacchaeus what he needs. He needs forgiveness. He needs peace. He needs grace. He needs healing. He needs an opportunity to start a new life, a fresh start. What he really needs is Jesus. And what Jesus gives him ultimately is himself. Jesus gives himself to Zacchaeus. Jesus gives himself to us. Jesus does not give us what we deserve. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need.
He gives us himself. He welcomes us. And he sits with us. And all the stuff of our life. And through all the stuff of our life. So Jesus, so Zacchaeus rather, Zacchaeus was a badly, badly lost guy. A really bad sinner, if you will. But there was something in him, some spiritual openness in him. And more than that, more important than that, he was a guy that God didn't give up on, that Jesus didn't give up on. And because of that, Zacchaeus becomes a truly found guy, a lost guy found. Notice how Zacchaeus responded to Jesus. Zacchaeus actually demonstrated how a person should respond to Jesus. It's immediate, it's glad, it's free, and it's complete. Immediately, gladly, freely, completely. When Jesus, when, when Jesus stopped and he called Zacchaeus, called him by name, and says, come on down, Zacchaeus practically fell out of the tree getting down there. He wanted to get down there in front of Jesus. He gave Jesus a glad welcome. He received him joyfully. He entrusted himself to Jesus. Jesus says, today, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house. And Zacchaeus says, great. He opens up his house to Jesus, invites his friends to be there. What friends he has when they're there because they want something from him. He welcomes Jesus not just into his house, but he welcomes Jesus into his heart. And he calls him Lord. Look, Lord. It's his first confession of faith. But the real proof of his faith is what happens next. The real proof of faith, the real proof of his repentance is what he says and what he does. Lord, look, Lord, today. I give half of my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back fourfold, four times. He wasn't just feeling sorry about his past. Simply feeling sorry is not the same thing as true repentance. When Jesus comes into sinners' lives, there are some changes that come with Jesus. Jesus accepted Zacchaeus as he was, but Jesus didn't leave him where he was. The love of Jesus worked itself into Zacchaeus' life and brought him to repentance. It was obvious from both what he said and what he did that Zacchaeus was almost on the spot going through a genuine transformation. Something, something had changed in his life. The grace of God that he'd finally seen and recognized had reached into him and hadn't just saved him from his sin, but saved him from the life he'd been leading and was saving him for a new life before him. And notice, he began divesting himself of the wealth that he'd spent years, years, years accumulating. Jesus, Zacchaeus rather showed his repentance 
that he was truly repentant by offering, by volunteering to offer restitution. And what is restitution? It's a, it's a radical and often necessary step toward acknowledging our sin against God and against others. It's an act of worship to God. An act of grateful adoration to God for his grace to us. It's a means of reconciling, restoring relationship with others that have been hurt, wounded by our sins against them. It's a way of bringing justice where injustice was the norm. It breaks the power of whatever sin or greed or idolatry threatens to control us. And it's an indication that we have received true freedom in Christ. It's a powerful demonstration of the power of the gospel to shape, to change, to transform lives. That's what happened with Zacchaeus. He encounters Jesus and he is changed. His priorities change. His values change. He decides instead of ripping off the poor that he's going to start reaching out to them, helping them. That's how God does mercy. The love of Jesus changed his heart and people with changed hearts start to care about changing the world around them. Zacchaeus begins to obey God in the very areas where he had most sinned against God and against other people. Money is a powerful thing in our culture. And the way a person uses money is one of the best indicators of that person's spiritual condition. So... Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus changed Zacchaeus' life. He became a different person. Somebody who'd been in the outside, marginalized by his own greed and idolatry and so forth, begins to become a beloved family guy, if you will. See, what happened was, through his encounter with Jesus, he began to see himself the way Jesus saw him. He saw who he truly was and who he was called to be. He was somebody made in the image of God and called to be a child of God. He discovered his own long-lost identity, son of Abraham, child of God. The Pharisees claimed that they were the only true children of Abraham because of the way they lived their lives. But Jesus said that tax collectors, even tax collectors, could be part of that family too. No one needs to stay outside. There's always room in God's house. He discovered his own long-lost identity. He also experienced the unconditional and eternal love of God for him. He recognized 
that he was a man loved by God. Loved with an eternal love. He, he recognized that God longed so much to display his love to him that he sent Jesus looking for him. To find him, to rescue him from his lostness. He recognized that Jesus loved him so much that he was willing to put his own reputation on the line by coming to his house and sitting with him. He brought the sense of, he recognized that Jesus accepted him, welcomed him as he was. That's what the love of Jesus does in the heart of a of all of us, hearts of all sinners. The way he accepts us, the way he welcomes us, the way he reaches out to us, enables us to receive him, to welcome him, to love him. And with that acceptance, with the acceptance Jesus has for us in our receiving of him, comes a true sense of identity, the assurance that we are children of God and that God loves us in Jesus Christ. There's no longer any need to run away from God, no longer any need to hide from other people, no longer any need to pretend that we're something different from what we are, who we are. And then third, Zacchaeus was grafted back into the community of God's people. His own greed had pushed him outside that community. But Jesus was grafting him back in. Remember what I said earlier. Earlier, Everyone in Jericho knew Zacchaeus. Nobody liked him. But then Zacchaeus encounters Jesus and becomes a changed man. He demonstrates that change by giving away most of his wealth. Jesus calls him a son of Abraham. In and of itself, that gives Zacchaeus, a certain amount of legitimacy in the community. A certain amount of acceptance. But then think about what happens after that. Half of what I give, half of what I own, I give to the poor. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back for full. And Zacchaeus does that. He does that. What do you think starts happening to people's opinions of him? The guy that everyone knew and nobody liked becomes the guy everybody knew and began to respect and welcome and love. You can imagine Zacchaeus became a beloved member of the, Jerusalem, of the Jericho church, right? You know, a lot of you know the Christmas Carol story by Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens wrote that in 1843. It was kind of a, it's a story about a, about a guy who's a, he's called Scrooge. It's become a word in our culture still. A guy who's so evil, so greedy, that, that, that it, his heart is absolutely hard against the most pitiful of sin, of, 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 of need, of person. And then he has these encounters with these three ghosts, if you will, and, that, and his life changes and he becomes a different man. That's a fictionalized account, contextualized for 19th century London. 
But Zacchaeus, he's a story, a real story, a true story of what God does in people's lives. He changes lives. He changes our lives. You know what that means? To be Zacchaeus is freed to start living into his name. You know what the name Zacchaeus means? It means righteous. I can imagine, maybe you can imagine, that prior to encountering Jesus, people would hear his name and then see who he was. They, what? Man, his parents missed out on that one. What a ridiculous name for that guy. What an awful name for that guy. But that was God's name for Zacchaeus, righteous. And Zacchaeus began to live into that name. He became, as much as a human being can be, a righteous man. Let me say it again. Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus changed Zacchaeus' life. A different person. Saved from his sins. Saved from continuing to live in his former life. The righteousness of Jesus began to work in him. And through him, he began to look more and more like Jesus. That's what Jesus offers to each of us. He offers us true identity. Made in his image. Adopted as his child. Unconditional love. Jesus laid down his life for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He doesn't remove his love when we screw up. Unconditional love. Authentic community called into the family of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ. He called us to a fruitful calling. To, uh, he gave us the opportunity and the power to live a new life, a life characterized by love of God, love of other people. So let me kind of summarize. Zacchaeus is a badly lost guy who somehow, somewhere, starts to open up, become spiritually curious and he's a guy who, though badly lost, is not forsaken by God. God doesn't give up on him, and he's found by God. Jesus went to the most lost guy in Jericho, invited himself into that man's house, and he saved him. He changed the key of his life, changed his values, changed his relationships, changed his eternal destiny. Jesus saved him. Where Jesus is there and only there, salvation is to be found. Only Jesus can save. Now, where is Jesus? Jesus is in his people. He indwells his people through his Holy Spirit. And Jesus makes his presence known to others now primarily through his people. Not the only way, but primarily through his people. So the greatest thing we can do for anyone is to point them to Jesus. 
Jesus' mission is to seek and to save the lost. If we want to follow Jesus, then we need to do, be where Jesus is, where the lost are. We need to embrace Jesus' mission. We can't isolate ourselves from our culture. We can't be intimidated by the values or the practices of people around us that are different from our own. We must be willing to seek people out, to go on their turf as the Lord leads, invest in them relationally and prayerfully so that they can see the life of Jesus in us and hear the gospel from us. We must seek people, welcome them, and sit with them as Jesus does. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true that some people are way worse sinners than others, but all of us are sinners. All of us need Jesus. Everyone you know needs Jesus. Now, it's likely that not everyone here in this room this morning it's likely that not, not everyone here knows Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, today is your opportunity, if you want, to begin a new life with him. I invite you to take that step of faith. After the service, just come forward and uh, introduce yourself and say, I, I want to learn about how to get to know Jesus. I'm glad to help you. Pastor Tom's glad to help you. People, a lot of people around you are glad to help you. So take that opportunity today if you don't yet know Jesus. Now, for those of us who do know Jesus, for those of you who do know Jesus, here's the truth. Not everyone you know knows Jesus. Will you commit yourselves today to do everything you can to help them come to know Jesus? Will you pray for them daily? Will you love them sacrificially? And will you share your faith with them humbly but boldly and courageously, perseveringly? May it be so for each of us. May it be so. Let's pray.